When I was in college, I used to spend the summers working construction. And for two summers, I was working on a tower in the Seattle area. And I remember one day I was going up the man lift, which is just a very manly word for an elevator, but that's what we call it in construction, a man lift. I was going up the man lift and with a broom in my hand. And the man lift operator started chipping at me a little bit. He said, hey kid, I heard you're going to college. What are you studying? You want to be an engineer? Engineers don't make squat. So um, I told him, no, I, I'm not planning on being an engineer. He said, oh yeah, what are you studying? Philosophy. <laughs> at about that time, I arrived at, the, at my floor and I walked off with my broom and he said, yeah, you better get used to pushing that broom. And I did. I was the low man on the totem pole. There were like 300 guys working on this construction project, and I was number 300. I was the low man on the totem pole. So all summer, I spent a lot more time with a broom in my hand than with a drill or a power tool or a hammer. And one day, I remember I was speaking to this carpenter, and he was telling me, you know, every day I get one day closer to retirement. I'm just waiting for the day when I turn 55 and I can begin to live. And I asked him, how old are you? He said, 47. And I thought, man, this guy's waiting for the best years of his life to pass by so that he can enjoy his retirement. And I remember thinking to myself, what happens if when he turns 55, he gets sick or he dies? He wasted his, his life waiting to enjoy retirement. Well, that's pretty much what happened to the rich fool in the parable. After years of toil, he has a bumper crop, and he can finally relax. He says he's ready to enjoy himself. He says to himself, this is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. There I shall store all my grain and other goods, and I shall say to myself, now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink. Be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? It's interesting that God doesn't accuse him of being dishonest or unjust. There's no indication that he made his fortune through extortion or by cheating his workers. He might have been uh, running a fine operation. And when finally he got a lucky crop, he decided to build bigger barns and, and store up a reserve for the future. So why does God call him a fool? Especially in considering the fact that he seems to be a more or less astute businessman. But God says to him, you fool. Why? Well, a fool is one who doesn't grasp all of reality. He fails to perceive reality as it is. He misses part of it. And that's certainly the case of the rich fool. His greed makes him incapable of perceiving God, of perceiving those around him, and of accurately perceiving himself. In the first place, his greed makes him blind to God. The parable says that the land produced a bountiful harvest but he never acknowledges it as a blessing from God. It just happened. 
And, and then the parable says he asked himself, what shall I do? So he doesn't ask God, he asks himself. And then he even almost begins to pray to himself. He says, and I shall say to myself, now as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, and be merry. It's God's prerogative to give a reward, to speak those words. You might remember another parable of Christ, of the faithful servant who stays up waiting for his master, and his master comes in and invites him to take a seat. And his master serves him. And Jesus says, so it will be for those who faithfully serve me in this lifetime. When they arrive to the end of their lives, they'll come to heaven and I myself will welcome them in to my father's place. And I'll ask them to take a seat and the son of man will serve them. But here he says this to himself. He doesn't wait for God to tell him, rest, take it easy. He himself he begins to pray to himself. He takes the place of God. In second place, his greed makes him blind to others. So it never seems to cross his mind that God might have blessed him so that he could be a blessing to others. You know, what if that harvest were the answer to someone else's prayer? What if there was a mother with children who were going hungry and she, were, she was down on her knees every night praying to God, Lord, bless us. Bless my children. Provide for us. And God, in answer to her prayer, blesses them with an abundant harvest. And now this man has her answered prayer rotting in his barn. The Catholic Church teaches that all the world's resources are destined by God for the common good. That is, the good of all. Now, the church has also firmly upheld, always, the right to private property. But it's a right which is derived from even more basic rights and realities. So in this encyclical Rerum Novarum, which was responding to, at the beginning of the 20th century, the, to the twin dangers of communism on the one hand and the Industrial Revolution on the other hand, Pope Leo XIII grounded the right to private property in the responsibility of parents to provide for their children. He reasoned that parents have a true responsibility to provide for their children. Private property is the, the necessary means by which they can do so. And therefore, all humans do have a right to own property. In other places, the Catholic Church has, has founded the right to private ownership in the fact that on a large scale, it's conducive to the development and the preservation of the Earth's goods. Because when people own things, they tend to take responsibility for it. They care for it. They protect it. They multiply it. And so it's conducive to the common good. It serves the common good. Well, both arguments point to the fact that we are stewards of what we have. We're not owners in the absolute sense. No, all that we have is from God. It belongs to Him, and He's destined it for the good of all. So we should ask ourselves, do I regard myself as a steward of what I have, or as Lord of it? Do I see it as destined somehow for the common good, as a blessing of God for me, but also somehow for all? 
Have I asked God what his intentions are for the good things that belong to me? Or how he can direct them to the good of others? When I was a little kid, I lived for a couple of years in Boulder, Colorado. And my dad became friends with a man who owned a, a tea company named Celestial Seasonings. And he decided to sell the company. So he was in his mid-40s, really, really wealthy, and he didn't know what to do with his life. So he went to visit Mother Teresa. These were the very last years of her life. And he explained to her, I sold my business, I'm 45 years old, and I don't know what to do with my life. And she told him to go back, buy the business back, and spend the rest of his life running a really good tea business. And so he did. But now, with a new purpose, with a new sense, he was no longer seeking to amass a fortune for himself, but to run a great business, to be a steward of this amazing resource that he had. So the third, the third blindness that derives from greed is a blindness to ourselves. The rich fool's greed makes him forget who he himself is. He's stuck on the surface of himself. He confu confuses the, the foam of the sea for the depths of the ocean. He doesn't know himself. Jesus says, one's life does not consist of possessions. So the one who thinks that the value of his life rises or falls with what he owns or what she owns has a very poor notion of who he is. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be alive, to be a human being, to have the capacity to know and to love, to create, to form bonds, and to, to think that who we are is somehow measured by what we have. It's just a very cheap view of human life. It's a very superficial view of human life. You know, the rich fool is so lost in the pursuit of comfort and security that he forgets God. And so he can't conceive of himself as a beloved son of God. He's so lost in his pursuit of the world's goods that he forgets those around him. And so he loses all sense of mission and of purpose. Ironically, he becomes so absorbed in himself that he's no longer capable of knowing himself. Well, today I want to propose an activity that will help to break through our blindness, the blindness caused by greed. And that is to go through your house or your apartment or wherever you live, giving thanks for the good things that you have. So you can go to the fridge and open the fridge and take out your favorite thing that you have in there, pull out your, your gallon of milk and, and hold it in your hands and tell God, thank you, Father, because I never pass a day without the necessary things I need to eat. You always provide for me. I never go hungry. Thank you, Father. And go and, and then go take your cell phone and hold it in your hands and tell him, thank you, Father, for this amazing instrument that puts me into touch with so many people, that puts me into touch with almost limitless information. Thank you for this powerful tool. Then you can go to your bedroom and, and lay yourself out on your bed and tell God, thank you, Father, for this bed. Thank you for a safe 
and comfortable place to rest because I'm too fragile to, to sleep on the floor, to sleep outside, as some people have to do. Thank you for providing a place for me in this world to rest and to be safe. And you know, if there are some things which you come across which you can't in good conscience give thanks to the Father for, either because they're so wasteful or because they're somehow harmful, well, then throw them away or give them away or get rid of them. You know, maybe you're a young adult or a college student and you say, I don't have, really, I'm kind of poor. I don't have that many things to give thanks for. Well, then you can, you know, lay your hands on your head and give thanks to God for your brain and for all the years of study that someone's paying for. You can give thanks for your strength, your energy, your time. If you go to the gym a lot, you can, you know, lay your hands on your biceps and give thanks to God for your massive biceps. Well, the point is this. The point is to remember God. To make the connection between what we have and our Father who blesses us and provides for us. And when we begin to recognize who this is all from, we'll spontaneously know what we're to do with it. We'll begin to realize who it's for and what it's for. 